Here's what's coming up on today's show. If you're retiring this year, it's essential to have some concrete answers to some very important questions. Today, Mark and I are going to cover a 10-point checklist for retirement preparedness. It's easy to get lost on the way to retirement. Things like taxes, improper planning, and excessive market risk can all lead you astray from your goal of a successful and happy retirement. That's where Liz Whittaberry comes in. She's a holistic financial advisor and the founder of Best Path Advisors, and she can help guide you to a better financial path. This is Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry. Welcome into another edition of the podcast. It is Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry and myself here to talk about that 10-point checklist for retirement preparedness. And if you've got questions and you need help, that's what Liz does day in and day out. So make sure you reach out to her. If you're not already working with her, uh, you can find her online at bestpathadvisors.com. That is bestpathadvisors.com. She is the founder and financial advisor there. So reach out to her and have some conversations for yourself and about your retirement journey. And today we are going to run through this 10-point checklist. Uh, You know, it's just a few items to think about as we're getting closer to that goal of retirement. So whether you're a few years out or five years out or whatever the case is, a lot of these questions are are, going to be very appropriate uh, for multiple stages. So just kind of work your way through. Some of these are pretty basic, but some of these also might be something you haven't really thought about how to address. So let's jump in and get started. Liz, how are you? I am great. How are you, Mark? I'm fantastic. Looking forward to chatting about this. We do got a lot to cover, so let's just dive in so we can get this into in a timely manner for folks because there is quite a bit on here and it's some good stuff. Uh, Let's kick it off. You and I were talking uh, on the last podcast about you know thinking about working another year and delaying things and should you do that or should you not? And and I brought up the concept of income and and having that chat and you you kind of said let's talk about that on this episode, which I think was a great idea. So let's start right there. Income without it. You can't really make anything else work, right? Exactly. You do need to have income to cover your spending needs. And what I find is a lot of people, when they're working, don't really have a budget or know what their cash flow is, have a general idea. I'm making X. uh, You know, I'm spending less than X. But where is it going? What is it going to? And in that planning, there's, as people are planning for retirement, they'll be thinking about their basic expenses that they see every month. And they'll forget the things that come up once a year or once every few years. Uh, Maybe forget about how many cars am I going to buy? When am I going to need to replace the air conditioner again? Things like that that are not in the plan. And that needs to be thought about. So people need to, you know, think about the things that they might, might forget that they're not paying every month. And then add in some cushion yeah, because there's always stuff that comes up that you can't think of. Well, it's a nickel and dime world too. So I find that when people start talking about the concept of how much income do I need every month, they do go with the big ticket items. Okay, let's just say the mortgage is this and a couple of car payments is that, you know, when we roughly spend this on groceries and utilities. But we, I mean, how many times does Amazon show up to your house, right? How many streaming services do you pay for or whatever the case is? So it's very easy for people to lowball that income number. Oh well, we can we can survive on five grand, and then you mm-hmm. really get into it with a financial professional like you, Liz, and you find out that five grand's not you're spending like seventy five hundred, <laughs> right? Right, exactly, so. exactly. 
and you need to buy cars in two years and, and you need to put that in the plan. So yeah, yeah. that's absolutely right. So you got to get that right. That's the first item on the checklist. Get the income need that you truly need each month uh, to make the plan go. Get that down pat. Get that worked out. And nobody likes the B word. I understand that with budget, but that's not necessarily what you're talking about. It's just getting no, an income. A cash flow. A cash flow. There you go. Spending plan. There you go. Spending plan. Where right. do I want my money to go? Yes. Yeah. All right. So where do you want your money to go? But where do you want it to come from? So that's number two. Which accounts should we access first? It's not just as simple as I've got a 401k. Let's grab that money first. Right, Liz? It's There's a strategy in where you're pulling it from and when. Yeah, there absolutely is. And this is one of the things that people often ask me, you know, when they want to put a plan together, how do I know which account to pull from? Where should I take my money? Mm -hmm. I got it into all of these accounts. Now I need to know how to get it back out. And, you know, the typical, if you're not working with a planner, the typical thought process would be just wait and and take money from those IRAs or 401ks when you have to, when that required minimum distribution kicks in, as if that's some correct age to start money uh, coming back out of those. Or people will decide based on very short-term thinking, like what taxes am I going to pay this year, and forget to think about the taxes over their entire lifetime. What I like to do is put together a plan that looks at the income sources and the cash flow over all of the retirement years and levels out that taxes that are going to be paid. So go ahead and take some from each of the different kinds of accounts and keep your income in a lower tax bracket as much as possible each and every year, averaging that over time. And what you'll find is you save significant taxes, which then increases the amount of money that's left in your overall pot of money. Mm -hmm. And that's just better for you and better for your heirs. Yeah, exactly. And so these first three Liz on the checkpoint uh, checklist, excuse me, really go together well. So it's the income one, two, which accounts to draw from three, social security, because they're going to affect each other. So right. when you take social security might determine which accounts you're pulling from and vice versa. Absolutely can. And uh, there's no one size fits all answer to this social security question. If you've never been married, then you have, you know, much more limited choices because you're just looking at only your own personal sure. uh, work record, but you still have to consider your health, your family longevity, all of the tax over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there's something called but a break point, you, right? With with Social Security, yes. like when you turn it on. So if you wait till 70, because you want if you're one of those people say, I want to maximize it and get the most money I can. Uh, but then you have to you have to live to a certain age for that to make sense if you would have taken it at 62, which is early, or even full retirement age of 66. So again, it, there's a strategy involved. Yeah, that break point is going to be in the late 70s, early 80s. But if you're a couple, if you've been married, if you are currently married, if you've been divorced, if you're widowed, then there's a lot more to think about because there's two work records involved. Yeah. And there's the interplay of your own benefit your spousal benefit, your survivor benefit. And so it can make sense to not wait. You can actually end up with more in benefits by not waiting to age 70. Mm -hmm. And you've got to look at that. And it's easy to do though, right? Because we see the bigger number and we go, well, I want to wait for that. But when you go put a strategy together, you, you can you can be shown and highlighted that, okay, well, this maybe does make sense to take it a little earlier. And people are often surprised by that. Yeah. And I think that the reason for uh, 
the the thinking of waiting to age 70 is that there's a lot of articles that are being written about that you get this 8% increase and right, that is yeah. true sure. and sometimes that does pay off for people to wait but not always and so it's very very important to look at your specific situation and right. then consider as you said how does that impact your account when you do or don't have to pull money out of your money that you've built up you know and what that does to those balances over time yeah well how do you find out the ideal time well you get a plan together you you, you start to assemble this stuff uh you stress right. test that and then you're able to kind of work out some different scenarios as to what's going to be the best path for that so that's three uh time for social security number four Longevity. This is the great multiplier to everything else, Liz. How do you yeah. address and have you addressed the possibility of longevity? I'm one of those people, Liz, that that most of the men in my family, you know, I'm I'm my wife can't stand it, but I'm pretty sure I'm gonna pass away sometime in my probably early seventies. Drives her nuts when I say that. But I'm not being so naive as to plan that way, right? I can Very think good. it all day long, but I don't want to be 80 and be like, well, that was a dumb idea because <laughs> now I've outlived it. So you've got to think about longevity. Very good. Very, very good. Because uh, that's exactly the type of thing that I had uh, written in my in my notes that even if your family longevity is short lived, all your uncles died before 70, you've got to think beyond that because we could have a medical breakthrough at any time that causes all of us to live much longer than we currently are. We sure. just don't know. There's a lot going on in the medical world at all times, and our longevity continues to increase. Mm -hmm. You know, Back in 1900, the average life expectancy was 50, and now it's, even after the pandemic, it's at 77. Uh, and what does that mean? And that's average for, that's life for men, though, right? Ladies, it's even longer, correct? Well, that's the yeah average life expectancy oh, average? at okay. birth. Oh, okay. And so each year you live, your life expectancy goes up. So uh, a woman age 65 right now uh -huh. would have a life expectancy of 86. Oh, okay. And a, and a male would have a life expectancy of 83. But you still, like you said, you can't make the plan that you're just going to live to the average. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, if got, you, yeah, and, and I was thinking, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but thinking about this the other way too is the selfishness aspect of it, right? Don't be so selfish. Like I could easily do that. Like I just use myself as an example, but then I'm, what am I doing to my spouse? Right. Mm -hmm. And you could go both ways with that, whether it's male to female, female to male, whatever the case is. Don't be so selfish to say, you know, okay, even if you do pass away early, what about them? Right. So you want to make sure yeah, that they're covered to, as well. You need to know that your plan will run beyond how long you might live you right. need to know that it'll run past that point and beyond a long life expectancy yeah. and then you can play with some trade-offs between spending more money now to enjoy now but knowing what are you going to do if you do continue to live you don't want to reach a point where you can't support yourself mm -hmm. and you're still alive so you obviously need to consider that and stress test for that uh, but i do believe you don't want to be so so concerned about living forever that you don't have any enjoyment in early retirement. So <laughs> right. there's a there's a balance there, and you find yeah. that balance by putting the plan together. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so let's keep moving. So we got more to go. We're on the number five market volatility. How do we handle it as we are moving into and through retirement? I mean, again, this seems like a no brainer to keep saying this, Liz, but it's having a strategy because. Economic environments are going to change. 
presidents are going to come and go. Administrations are going to come and go. And so things are going to change, hopefully, in the 20 or 30 or 35 years that you're retired. So you're going to be you're going to want to be able to retire in any environment. And market volatility is one piece of that. Yeah. And what I see is that people feel a lot different about that when the paycheck stops. Right. Yeah. Up until that point in time, they're more comfortable with that market volatility because the paychecks coming in is not really on their mind. But at the minute that paycheck stops, they feel a lot different. And so it's important to start planning ahead for that, aligning your assets, your what you have in each account, lining that up with your retirement plan with the spending needs and the growth needs. You know, and I think we've talked in the past about bucket planning which is the strategy that I use mm -hmm. to know that money is going to be safe and secure for the short term and then still have some growth for the long term. And that alleviates the impact of market volatility on that money that's going to provide the income and allows, you know, the money that's going to grow, there's time for that to grow. Uh, that's There's time for the market volatility to be up and down in that, um, you know, alleviates the stress around market volatility. And that's some really good points. And of course, we're talking about these 10-point checklists, Liz. And if we're moving from market volatility, obviously the next one that makes sense is combating inflation because often we use the market to combat inflation. And that's been obviously tough this past year. Right. You know, I think people don't really have a plan for combating inflation because we haven't had inflation in a very long time. Yeah, even regular inflation, right? I mean, even if you go right. with normal rates, ten, we tend to forget about it, kind of like calories. <laughs> we know they're there, but we kind of forget about it, right? Out of sight, out of mind. We just haven't thought about it. We've had such low inflation for so long. It's been even below the Fed's target 2% for a very long time, you know, over a decade. And now that it's come back, it's suddenly top of people's mind. Now, I've been stress testing inflation at a lot higher rate than average for as long as I can remember. But I've seen a lot of other plans that have just run on what uh, average inflation has been over the last 10 years. Well, that's not necessarily good enough. So we need to know our income sources increase over time. How are we invested to keep up with inflation, inflation protected bonds, real estate, other things that might assist in that specific area and just mm -hmm. make sure that there's a plan for that because we could have inflation, you know, much higher in the future right. than we have had in the past. I don't think it'll continue to be as high as it is now, but it could be more than that one and a half percent that it was in the past. Oh, for sure. And we, I mean, we're yeah. working our way back down from, from these really highs. But again, we've talked about the point of this checklist is to be prepared in really kind of any environment. And while these right. are certainly some outlying circumstances we're dealing with now, you still want to have a plan to address even normal inflation. And again, many people just don't. So that's a certainly a great point. Uh, the same kind of thing flows with really, it's the unexpectedness of things we can't control is like, so market volatility can't control. Inflation can't control. The next one, tax increases. Can't really control what the government's going to do, but we can try to be prepared and be as tax efficient as possible. And even if they do nothing, the taxes are going up in 2026, even if they don't change a thing. Right. And again, this is where the stress testing comes in. And I do stress test for potential right. tax changes in the future. The All of the software has the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act expiring in 2026. That's built into the plan what's already law. I don't expect they're going to extend that. I do get asked that question from time to time. Will mm -hmm. they extend it? I'm not expecting that. Be, not because 
there aren't some that wouldn't want to, but right. they just can't get any agreement right now. <laughs> they can't get and so, done, yeah. yeah. And so I say, you know, put yourself in as much control over your future tax rate as possible. Make sure you've looked at where your assets are located. Right. Tax efficient investments in the right place. Roth conversions, if that makes sense. Health savings accounts, if you have the ability to do that. All the different things that you might be able to do to give yourself control. And again, looking at that in a plan can help decide what makes the biggest benefit. Yeah, you know, and the the uh, Roth conversion conversation, obviously, with the passing of the recent Secure Act 2.0, moving the RMD age further back, uh, if right. they do nothing until tw- if they just kind of because they can't get anything done to your point, and they just let it revert back to the prior administrations or uh, two administrations ago tax, uh, the Obama tax code. Uh, if for lack of a better term, then you've got a little more time possibly, right? So if you're getting close to that 73 mark now, maybe conversion is right for you. So that is one way to look about, you know, try to be tax efficient and kind of take that control back on ourselves as much as we can anyway. Exactly. More yeah. time to more time in those gap years to do some really good planning. Yep. And um, so I'm happy about that. And for sure. Uh, number eight on the list, healthcare costs. Same thing. We can't really control it, but you know, it's pretty obvious they continue to tick up. They usually outpace regular inflation. Exactly. That is true. And the amazing thing is how much our healthcare is projected to cost in retirement. Right. Fidelity does a study every year and it's projected to be at, you know, over three hundred thousand per person, uh, correct? Yeah, in yeah. yeah, in retirement. And that does not include your potential long term care expenses. Yeah. So you really need to make the best Medicare selection for yourself. Know what you're gonna do if you need long term care. Uh, have a plan for that. Whether that's insurance or self-funding, you you need to stress test it and know what that plan is. And then if you can keep your future taxable income down, like we were just talking about, you can also keep your IRMA costs, that income-related oh, uh, yeah. monthly adjustment amount down. And so that, again, would minimize your tax cost over retirement. Yeah. Uncle Sam and Aunt Irma, right? (laughs) 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 They tend to get a hold of us in those Quite the couple, yeah. That's right. Quite the couple. Um, Okay. Let's go to number nine, the legacy plan. Do you have that on your list? Are you trying to get that nailed down? Do you even want to do one? That's okay if you don't. Everybody's got a different opinion on this, but I think most people probably fall into the category of, well, you know, whatever's left, we'd like to leave to the the kids or the, the grandkids or whatever. Do you have that in place. Yeah, exactly. And, and we talked recently about the the documents that everyone needs because mm-hmm. everyone does have an estate. And as you say, having those documents and processes in place. But, you know, in my mind, when you when you think about legacy, um, it's more than just do I have my documents? It's what do I really want that I'm leaving? What do I want it to do mm-hmm. in the lives of the people I'm leaving it to? or the charities I'm leaving it to, whatever the case is, what do you want it to do beyond the time that you're here? What is that legacy? And that could even include writing letters to kids and grandkids. It could include far more than just thinking about a will or a trust. Some very important things to think about there. You know, I've heard a lot of people doing that, the letter thing. That's an interesting idea where you write them letters uh, about the things that you want to share and convey and so on and so forth. And you include that with all the other financial stuff and, and, you know, uh, and legal stuff that we need to do. So that's a nice idea. I like that idea. All right. So number 10, let's see. And then we'll do a bonus one. I'm going to switch 10 up if you you don't mind and and just kind of ask you – 
you know, just like the current investments or products, things that people get into that they just don't really understand. Like that happens a lot, right? We just kind of, we get Mm -hmm. a collection of stuff through the years. And a lot of times we say to people, know what you have and why you have it. Like, what is it doing for you? Right. And, And how does it work? With the other things. Yeah, that's good. How does it work at different times? How does it work when you need to pull money out? How does it work, you know, tax-wise? I often have people bring statements to me and they know who the company is, but they don't know, is it an IRA or a Roth or, you know, they don't really know what the fees are. They don't know, they don't even know how they're going to get money out of this account (laughs) and when they're allowed to. And so there's just so many questions. A lot of times it's, you know, I knew a guy back when who said <laughs> right. this would be the thing to do. Right. And I've got and this. I've what just do I just left do? it there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do I do with this thing? Yeah. I don't even know what it is. Right. Right. Yeah. And, that's- and so it's important to get a good second opinion, professional review of things, have a good understanding of how that's going to work going forward in different economic environments to support you. Yeah, that's a great point. So that's our list, folks. Ten items to have on your retirement preparedness checklist, if you will. Uh, checklist can be very helpful to get things done. And of course, as always, Liz is here to help at bestpathadvisors.com. And I said we were going to do a bonus one, Liz. So I'll toss this one to you. Anything I missed? Anything you think we should add to the list? So the bonus, I would say, is you've got to know what you're going to do with your time in retirement you're going to be retiring from something. You're very aware of what you're retiring from. Mm-hmm. What, are you, what are you retiring to? What's that time going to look like? What's your game plan for your purpose and meaning in each day and each week? And think about that because retirement can be fulfilling if and only if you can really answer that question. Yeah, that's a good point. Think about how many of us uh, doing the lockdowns and during you know these last couple of years with COVID and stuff where you kind of feel like, especially if days, if you were doing nothing and days were, go- and you couldn't go anywhere possibly, right? So days to days yeah. to days, you start to kind of go, man, this is, it's, it's not good on the psyche either, right? Right. So in retirement, many people do struggle initially with, you know, because you, you do have, we talked just recently on the prior podcast about the go-go years and that kind of thing. And that's the big ticket items I think people plan for, Liz. But sometimes we got we got to drill down to the minutia of day-to-day life too, right? Because in retirement, yeah. it's a whole lot of hours, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I recently saw um, a quote. Somebody said, I like waking up and not going to work, so I do it four or five times a day. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Uh, that's but most people, yeah. most people don't want to spend their day uh, Napping, in bed. Yeah. They want to actually get up and do yeah. something and have have a purpose to yeah. the day and get have something enjoyable to do. Yeah, naps are good. Don't yeah, that, naps are good. I, but, uh, but, naps but not, are good, but not that many. That's right. <laughs> so, but hey, you know, if that's your ideal retirement, then that's great. But like anything, it'll change after a while. I, th- I always say the same thing about golf, right? You know, the, no matter how many, uh, you know, people want to play golf in retirement and they enjoy it, that's great. But after a while, I've talked to so many that go, "Yeah, I don't think I, I can play. I can't play much more than I'm doing. Right? It's just too much. Whatever that yeah. happens to be, right? Eventually, right. it becomes like, okay, I need something else in my day. So. Yeah. There you go. Need some variety. There you go. Need some variety. Got to shake it up. Can't have potato chips every day, so to speak. (laughs) All right, folks. Well, that's our podcast this week. Thanks for hanging out with Liz and I, as always. Of course, again, if you have questions, you need some help, that's why she's here. If you're not already working with her, or if you are, just reach out to her either way at bestpathadvisors.com. That is bestpathadvisors.com. So you can retire on your best path. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, all that good stuff. You can find us on all those, but of course it's easy just to go to 
Liz's website, bestpathadvisors.com. Liz, thanks for hanging out, and I will see you in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Good conversation. Yeah, as always, I love talking with you. We'll catch you next time here on Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry. The preceding program is sponsored by Best Path Advisors, which is solely responsible for its content. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through J.W. Cole Advisors. Best Path Advisors, J.W. Cole Financial, and J.W. Cole Advisors are unaffiliated entities. The opinions expressed by Liz Whitberry should not be construed as specific tax, legal, or investment advice, nor as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Neither J.W. Cole Financial nor its representatives provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W. Cole. Investing is subject to risks, including the loss of principal. Due to volatility within the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. Information is based on sources believed to be reliable. However, their accuracy or completeness cannot be guaranteed.